Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 40 of Wrestle Life Radio. It seems crazy. Seems absolutely nuts. And what's even more nuts is we've only been doing this for like not even quite three months, which means, boy, we are putting out some shows. And we hope you enjoy it because we're enjoying it. My name is Matt and I'm here with my cousin Kyle. We literally just finished watching AEW Dynamite week number two. And man, after watching Hell in a Cell and Raw, I was so looking forward to this. And to me, it lived up to everything. It was literally everything I wanted it to be. I had so much fun. And today is October 9th. We're not going to do this day in wrestling history because this is the second show in the same day. So if you want to hear that, you can listen to our Raw results. Let's just get uh, let's get right on into it. Let's get right Sounds on into it. I'm super me. excited. I mean, I'm I'm so excited about this because the uh, the the show is just so much fun. Like as I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get on and record. Which is very different to Hell in the Cell when it was ending. I'm like, oh, I can't get wait to get on and record so I can bury it. But this, we're, we're going to tell you how great it was. So it's exciting. It's really exciting. Yes. So uh, the show opens up, and they have their py- They do their really awesome intro. The pyro goes off. The crowd's going nuts. The stadium looks a little bit different because it's in uh, uh, it's in Boston and the the college. Yeah, I think it's where they is it the basketball where they play basketball. Uh, I don't know because they play in the the garden, no, not the Boston it, Garden. I think it's one it, of the smaller colleges. Oh, oh college. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have no By the way, <laughs> it was it was a college arena, and it just looked different. Even though it was very similar, it just had a little bit of a different feel. Where Raw and SmackDown, it like it always looks exactly the same until you get to WrestleMania. So, like Fight for the Fallen was perfect, and and I hope they continue to do stuff like this, where it doesn't always look you know cut and pasted from every other show, where they may as well be in the same building. So that was a lot of fun. Well, just wait till they're in Nashville at the Municipal uh, Auditorium because it's definitely different looking. Okay, it's very old school. Uh, like auditorium style. I'm looking forward to that. Are you going to that? Uh, I might try to. Okay. Um, we'll see. I looked at tickets earlier on, um, but I've, I'm, I had something scheduled like right around that time, but I think it moved. So I might look back up the tickets and see if there's still some available. That's awesome. Sounds good. Sounds good. So the show opens with the first match in the first round of the tag team tournament. And you've got the Young Bucks who the announcers say are the number one seed. They say, obviously, they're the number one seed, which is fine, except the Lucha Brothers did beat them, but whatever. It's, it's not, you know, that's nitpicky. And then Private Party comes out. Their interest is really cool. They have the the rope that looks like it's a red carpet, or looks like it should be on a red carpet. It's taken off. And the VIP open, rope. Yeah, the VIP rope. It is open just for them. They go through the VIP rope. They give the guard a fist bump, and they get in the ring. And we're off to the races. And this match was absolutely incredible. It was about 16 minutes. Now, I do want to remind you that Raw's opening match was about 18 minutes. And we complained about it. But during Raw's match, there were some points where I'm like, oh, just get it over with. And during this match, I didn't want it to end. There were fight forever chants in this. It was so, so good. They even chanted A.E. Wrestling which I absolutely loved. New best chant, absolutely incredible. Tell us about it, Kyle. Yeah, I mean, it's great opener. I mean, probably the best show that's been on Dynamite so far. Perfect way to open the show, too, with the Young Bucks, especially when you're trying to get you know people to stop and watch with a new audience and having those two come out and put on a show with Private Party, I thought was a great opener. We also had uh, SCU, along with Jack Evans and, and Helico, all sitting at ringside for this match. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, so we saw them at ringside, and then even after the match, uh, with the result, they were all very stunned, uh, and they also got some good reactions out of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the match was awesome. Very fast-paced, what you'd expect from a Young Bucks private party match. Tons of super kicks, tons of acrobatics, just you know, all-around fun. Uh, the pace slowed down in the middle, actually, though, and um, the Young Bucks... Um, kind of, you know, worked private party over and uh, the, the announcers kind of picked up on and they start telling the story that, you know, maybe the Young Bucks, even though they're taking it slowly, you know, they're, they're letting private party hang around instead of putting them away. Obviously that came back to bite him in the end. Yeah. Matt Jackson ended up blocking Cassie in a sharpshooter. 
he 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 almost got to the ropes toward the end of the match, and uh, Nick jumped over the top rope and hit him with a face buster. And I thought that was going to be the end of the match. Nick Jackson rolled out of the ring. Finally, uh, he was able to get to the ropes. Party party hit the gin and juice on Matt. Qu- uh, Quinn hit Nick with a poison rana, and Quinn hit Matt with a four fifty, and only got a two count. Just nuts. Crowd was going crazy. And then the big uh, the young bucks set up for the Meltzer driver, and Cassidy pulled Nick off the ropes. Quinn was able to roll up Matt and got the upset victory. Yep. Which I don't think anybody saw coming. Nobody and, saw uh, none. No. Number one seed already upset, which was uh, a lot quicker than it happened in the NCAA tournament history. <laughs> but yeah, private party wins and goes in, in the first round. I kind of, I love this match. I thought it was a great, you know, opening to the match. Like I said, it's probably the best match AEW Dynamite has had. Yet on their short list TV show, right. I was kind of disappointed because I was like, well, that means, I mean, obviously we're going to see the Young Bucks. They're, you know, going to be intertwined in the, uh, the you know, Jericho, the inner circle stable, which we'll talk about in the next segment. But I think they're going to be involved in that more. And that's probably why they got out. But at the same time, I was kind of like, you know, I would have liked to see the Bucks go like deep in this tournament and kind of have some good matches with these younger teams. But at the same time, Private Party's great, so they'll have a good matches as well. Yeah. So, I mean, it was very slight disappointment. I was just kind of like, oh, okay. It's, it's all moving to that SCU versus Lucha Brothers finals, just like they hinted at last week. Yeah, I'm sure it was. Absolutely is. There was one spot where Mark Quinn, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. He's. I'm still learning these guys. He got in the ring, and the Jacksons were on opposite ends of the ring on the outside. And he jumped right. outside of the ring four times in a row, each time with a more spectacular move. And it was so good. I mean, they're both really, really good, but he's the high flyer of the two. And I'm not going to complain that they won, man. It was just so fun. Like, I absolutely loved this, and I didn't want it to end. And, and, and again, to be nitpicky, there was a time limit on this match, which is a tournament match, so technically there, there must be a winner kind of thing. So I don't think there should have been yeah. a time limit on it. But, I mean... Whatever, I didn't. It didn't really bother me all that much. I mean, at least they made it clear with the with the announcers that they made it clear that if there's a tie, neither of these guys make it through. So they were saying it's important that you win this match. Like there's no ambiguity like there was in the King of the Ring match where <laughs> Ricochet and Mojo got a draw, and then they both moved on somehow. Yeah. So okay, they at least they were upfront with that and let you know that like, hey, these guys better get a win because if they run out of time, they're out. Yeah. So yeah. I like yeah, that. Yeah, it was very interesting. Okay, okay. I, I, I'm i there with you. And then so they go to a commercial break, and it's the little picture-in-picture thing. And Private Party is celebrating through the entire arena. And people are loving it. And let me see. I'm tell, I told my wife, I said, this is how to book a good face-versus-face match. There were spots in this match where both teams got a face reaction when they were the ones you know selling. And it was absolutely terrific. I, I, I just I can't say anything more about it. I I loved it so much. Also, did you notice the the picture in picture was much better utilized this week? Yeah, and I actually thought about that as it was happening. I said, I wonder what Kyle will say about this. It was yeah. a perfect time to do it. Well, this, the, yeah, it, it, it's like they listened to their fans or they saw what was wrong with their show and said, Hey, let's do let's improve on yeah. this. One week it took them. <laughs> It's been like 30 years or whatever for WWE, <laughs> like, and they're still doing this same stupid we stuff. We just had WrestleMania 36, right? Yeah. I so, mean, yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's not let's not let's not beat that dead horse because we're having too much fun tonight. This is a great show. Next, we have Chris Jericho come out with his new faction, and I, I, I tell you, and I, I told Kyle this in the show when we're watching it. Chris Jericho can just make any audience eat out of the palm of his hand. He goes in there and he has Sammy Guevara and he puts him over like I've never seen. And he just, calls him a Spanish yeah, guy. He's a, isn't, and he was sexy. He says he's a Spanish guy. Doesn't he look sexy? And then, of course, they got a, a, a ton of cheers from the ladies. And he called him a teenage heartthrob, which is funny because he's like 25. But I get it. I get it. He puts over Santana and Ortiz. They still don't have a tag team name, but that's fine. Doesn't matter. And he puts over Jack Hager, Jack Hagar, excuse me. And uh, he was getting a We the People chant. And Chris Jericho said, he says, 
No, We the People is dead. That was a stupid idea done from stupid creative, and that is no more. And then Kyle texts me, and I didn't know this because I don't watch that much MMA. And when I do, it's only good. I just I was just looking at Jack's face, yeah. which or I keep calling him Jack. He's Jake Hag- Hagar, <laughs> as Jerry was calling him. I, I looked at Jake's face, and he's I mean, they kept cutting to him in this promo, and he would just stare at the camera like angrily or with big buggy eyes during some points. Yeah. And I just I, I told Matt, I was like, he's probably just thinking, oh my god, this guy just killed my biggest gimmick. <laughs> And I say that I say that because uh, yeah, you would think that he wouldn't be using it since WWE, but he actually used it in Bellator. Mm. Uh, so when he's had his MMA career, he's actually used the We the People and uh, tried to get the crowd to do it and everything. Yeah. And I'm like, oh man, well Jericho just killed yeah. it for him. <laughs> <laughs> trying to find trying to find something new. I'm sure that he'll he'll do something new. And but uh, uh, Jericho put him over like nobody's business. He said he was a monster. He said he was undefeated in MMA and looks at the camera and goes, and that's a shoot. And not that many people can get away with that, but you know who can? Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho can get away with it. And at one point he was getting thank you Jericho chants, and then he he cuts off the audience and yells at them and gets them to boo him. I mean, he, everything, <laughs> everything. He, this is this this promo was so perfect, and I hope that it goes on YouTube because you guys need to see it if you didn't watch AEW. So good. Yeah, I, I will say that uh, Jake Hagar is uh, he is indeed undefeated in uh, MMA competition at Bellator. But so was Batista, I believe. So uh, <laughs> take take uh, take the, take that how you want to take yeah, well, he's, it. He's two and zero, right? I mean, it's not like he's won a ton of matches. I think he's three. He's either two or three and yeah. zero. I do know. I haven't seen who he's fought lately, uh, but I do know the very first guy that he fought was a fat dude, <laughs> and uh, he basically just laid on top of him and beat the crap out of him the entire time. It's a complete mismatch. So I hope his uh, other opponents have been serious opponents. But yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, so Jericho basically tells Cody that he hates his whole family, says Dusty was a jerk, Dustin's a moron, and then he's going to beat Dustin up later tonight in the main event. And uh, yeah, he, he created, or they created a new stable. They're called the, he's, Chris Jericho says, these guys are the four guys I trust the most. They are my inner circle, and we are inner circle. So yeah, it was it was good. It was good. I liked it. Everything about it was great. And by the way, Jake Hagar, he is 2-0 according to Tapology and Wikipedia. Gotcha. Yes, yes, so. um, but that's okay. Also, Inner, Inner Circle has t-shirts now as well. Yeah, so. and, and I, I, you know, we're very kind to AEW. And we should probably stop doing it just for the sheer fact that they're a new thing. Because they're, they're really getting their footing now. They've got their weekly TV show. And I do want to say that production tonight, there were a couple missed shots. But it was so much better. And what I really loved about it. Is you could hear the music now, and it's about time yeah. because you can actually hear the music, and that's a that's a big deal. Um, one thing I would like to see is like, and my wife pointed this out when Darby Allen came out, his music was great, but after he won, it was that slow, methodical, you know, and it just sounded terrible. So that should start, you know, what twenty seconds into the song when the guitar kicks in after he wins, similar to how WWE does it. And I'm not saying copy WWE, but it, it makes sense. After you want a match, you want it to kick in. You want it to be strong. You don't want to have this weird, you know, twenty second intro thing. So I don't know. Again, very nitpicky, but I just want to point some things out that I think I would like to. I would like to see. Sure. Yeah. So we have a number one. Makes we sense. have a number one contenders match, and basically everyone has been saying if this is supposed to be a sport, why does Darby Allen, who I believe is one three and one or one two and one, and Jimmy Havoc, who is definitely one and two. You know, why are they wrestling for a number one contender shot? And Cody Rhodes said, well, it's similar to college football. It's not just, you know, your win-loss record. It's your number of, or it's your quality of wins. And okay, I get it. But there is no way that if wrestling was real, these two guys would be anywhere near the top. Let's, let's say, for example, let's say Oklahoma. And if you're not a football fan, just listen to me for another 90 seconds, okay? And we'll get through it. If you're Oklahoma right now and you are insanely good and you lose to Alabama, to Clemson, and Ohio State, and they're all really good games, and then you beat LSU, well, you're still one and three against four really good teams. And you're not going to even come to sniff, 
your your uh, league's championship or the national championship. So if wrestling is real, these two guys never deserved a shot ever. And but they actually addressed it on the show. What a thought! What a concept! With Pac, who is two and zero, and who's defeated Hangman Page, who won the first Casino Battle Royal to to wrestle Chris Jericho for the title, so he's obviously a big star. And then he defeated Kenny Omega, one of the biggest stars in the world, and he's two and zero. And he said, "Why did these two goobers get a shot at Chris Jericho's title, and I don't?" And he asked Jim Ross, and Jim Ross said, "I don't have an answer for you." And that was the correct answer. And I'm so glad that that this was pointed out because in my head Pac is the person that I thought of so I I absolutely love this uh, it's just like it's almost like they thought oh it did kind of create a plot hole how can we fix it oh perfect we'll have the hill that's out there two and oh beat two of our biggest stars come out there and complain about it it was just so perfect um kind of okay <laughs> it's still it's still a kind of a big hole like just because they explain it well yeah, 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 yeah. Really you're right i'm not i'm not saying that you know it totally fixes everything but right. at least they addressed it they did their best you know like wwe just booked themselves into a hole in hell in a cell and totally screwed it up and aew did that and they said well we need to address it we need to fix it and that's really that's probably the best thing they could have done since they already booked the match well, it's funny you say that because, uh, and, and not to get too uh, WWE on this AEW review, but they actually had a uh, the referee from the Hell in a Cell match come out and make a statement today, supposedly. Really? Saying, uh, <laughs> saying the reason he stopped the match was because Bray Wyatt was motionless and like wasn't answering any kind of call or something, and Seth that attacked him with a sledgehammer, and Nobody that's why cares. he called. That for the happens belt. all the time in wrestling. Sorry. <laughs> so, but the 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 message from that I'm trying to say is. They explained it, uh, but it doesn't make any better. Okay. So. Okay. And that, yeah, I, I I kind of thought the same thing when they when they first announced this match. I kind of scratched my head and I was like, uh, and then they kind of said that you know Allen was able to he Allen was able to he, he went the distance with Cody Rose. I think he probably should have won that triple threat hardcore match. It would have made a lot more yeah, sense, you know. Have. Uh, and still, I don't understand why he didn't win that match, but um. I guess it makes sense that him and you know Jimmy Havoc, you know, would kind of wrestle each other if Havoc was the one that won that match. But like like you said, they don't their records don't you know reflect on um, kind of this match being set up. Yeah. So it's kind of where I mean it's it's been said that like you know stats in wrestling just have never worked out right for kind of for this reason. It's just hard to book around it, and because they're constantly fighting each other, you know, they're constantly putting on matches. So it's kind of hard to. You know, it's it's easier in like you know football or like the NFL where they have a sh- short season and you can kind of keep up with it, right. and it makes sense toward the end. But in wrestling, when there's so much you have to move around with booking, it's kind of difficult to do. So I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. I hope that AEW does seasons. I hope that in two years we don't have someone that's record is like 64 and 42 or something ridiculous. Yeah, that's what I th- I thought the same thing. Like maybe they could do a season each year and you know reset records and kind of go back. Yeah, if to, all you know, start from scratch. Yeah, if all out's going to be their WrestleMania. That would be a good time to reset it, because especially if you have a new guy and he comes in and you know he loses for a while, and then he starts getting you know he's getting on fire. Well, he now he's getting a world title shot, but his record is you know seven and nineteen because he won his last six matches. You know, and I know that's that's obviously exaggerated. Or let's take let's take an example of Sean Spears, who is probably going to be a mid carder. I, I think is is kind of the way it's looking, but he's still going to be someone that's a threat. So you know, he's not going to beat Cody or Moxley. He he is someone that could potentially be put in the world title picture, and I don't think would be rejected at some point. But if he keeps losing his next few matches, those losses are really going to pile up, and that record is going to look really bad. So it's going to be difficult for me if they're if they're saying it's going to be you know like a shoot uh, sports type type promotion. It's difficult for me that someone with a losing record has a shot at a world title. Yeah. But speaking of the number one contender match, and I know we already kind of talked about it, but Darby Allen came out and defeated Jimmy Havoc. Uh, this match was also very good. It was not a hardcore match, and they really didn't do a lot of hardcore stuff. Jimmy Havoc bit Darby Allen a couple times. Uh, if you listen to the last show, you know how much I love British wrestling. 
And uh, saying that, Jimmy Havoc, you know, controlled Darby Allen's ligaments, you know, was ripping at his fingers, pulling it back. It was really cool stuff. Um, the finish came with Darby Allen hitting the coffin drop. And I haven't watched AEW Dark, so it's possible that he hit it on there. Uh, but I do know that this is the first time that I've seen him hit it. And apparently it's his finisher. And he won with it. And it was great. The match went a while. It was probably 14 or 14-ish minutes. And the whole time I was just enjoying myself. And I looked at my wife and I said, I'm just having so much fun. Like I'm just really enjoying myself. Everything about tonight has just been an absolute blast. And I enjoyed about eight minutes of WWE Raw. So I, I and again, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to complain more about it, but I just want to just, just point out the differences in these two shows this week. And I, I don't know, man. I just had I had a blast. This whole show was just so much fun. Yeah, it's a it's a fun wrestling show. Like that's what they're trying to promote. And I mean, they're succeeding very much. So like I said last week, it is, you know, especially if you haven't seen it yet, it is a straight wrestling show. Uh, I think there was like two promos on this whole show. Yeah. No really backstage segments. It was all in the ring, all good matches. If, if you're a fan of, you know, good wrestling matches, then this is a show for yeah. you. It's, it's been really good. Absolutely. And it improved on its first week, which is, you know, all you could ask for in a yeah. show. So. Yeah. And I hope the ratings stay really good. We will, right. we will see. Um, Emmy Sakura and B. Priestley wrestled Riho and Dr. Britt Baker next. Uh, and this match was probably... Okay, let me say this. For an AEW match, I thought it ran a little slow. Um, I didn't I didn't love it. I'm not going to lie. I enjoyed it, but I didn't love it. And it's kind of unfair because it followed two incredible matches. I mean, the first match of the night... Was the match of the night, just like last week with Cody and Sammy Guevara. The second match was really sticking good. And this one was just, you know, it kind of slowed the pace down. And it just wasn't what I expected. I expected Riho and Emi Sakura to really get in there and beat the snot out of each other, like the Joshi girls usually do. Uh, and Britt Baker and B Priestley got in each other's face a couple times. It was just, it was just okay. And again, it wasn't bad. And if this was in a WWE ring... It would have been great. It was better than any of the women's tag team matches that we've seen in the last couple of weeks, in my opinion. Uh, but you got to judge it for kind of what it is. And I just got to be honest, this just didn't really do anything for me. Yeah, I feel like they tried to cram too much. It, not, it wasn't like it was too much action that they tried to cram in. I feel like they tried to cram in just too much stuff going on yeah. in a kind of a small window. Yeah, it was a little bit. You know, I thought it was a good match though. Uh, Britt Baker ended up picking the picking up the win. Uh, it's like her finisher. I really like it. I, I was actually concerned at first, thinking it was um, what's the name of Pac's move? Is basically the Rings of Saturn. Yeah, uh, I don't know what um, Pac calls it, but it is the Rings of Saturn. I, f- I forget the name of it. It's, it's just Rings of Saturn. But uh, Britt Baker actually does a Rings of Saturn with a mandible claw combo. That's so cool. And, and uh, it works. Yeah, it's it just awesome. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was thinking in my head, trying to come up with a name for it, like something like a, you know, like a molar claw or <laughs> something like that, like just. But I mean, I, I saw, it, and then obviously uh, at the end of the match, uh, uh, what's her name, Sakura? Emmy Sakura, yeah. Sakura. She was like holding her jaw, like you know, her jaw got all jacked up, and it was like, that's a good way to play into Britt Baker's Dennis gimmick. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the match. I thought it was fine. Like, like you said, it wasn't like bad by any means, but it, it wasn't the best match either. Yeah. Probably the weakest match on the show, but but that's not saying it was a weak match. Yeah. So my little brother just sends me a text message and says, have you watched AEW? Yes, I record a wrestling podcast. I'm watching the rerun now. <laughs> he has not no, been listening. No. <laughs> I'm watching the rerun now and that Jericho promo is better than anything I've seen on WWE since I started watching again. He's so good. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. We just talked about that. So perfect timing. Perfect yeah. timing. I do hope that he doesn't come out and shoot every week because I'm not a fan of like only when it like just really works yeah. of like mixing in, you know, the kayfabe stuff. I could have done without the whole and that's a shoot thing. Yeah, that that was it was fine. But the I think the thing that if he wanted to kill we the people for the promotion, that was necessary. 
to say how stupid it was and how terrible it was for WWE to get the AEW fans behind him. So I think that was a necessary shoot. After that, the best friends are shown, um, and it's there. It was on the road to uh, All Out, I think, where the best friends are like going in for a hug. They show it on the big screen, and my wife is so giddy, and she's like, that's my favorite part. She absolutely loves the hug. You talking about the drone shot where they're backing out the yeah. in the park or whatever? Yeah. yeah, she absolutely loves it. And then it shows them in the ring, and and they're asked about you know uh, wrestling in the tag team tournament, and they're like, we don't know. Why don't you ask this guy? And they split like uh, the Red Sea, and then Orange Cassidy is sitting right there in the front row, and the crowd goes wild. I mean, absolutely nuts. And then he kind of smirks. He does his like halfway thumbs up. And then the lights go out. I'm like, oh no, are the Dark Order going to attack them? No. They just drop that, and then Sean Spears is up on the top of the ramp, and his music starts, and he and Tully Blanchard are heading to the ring. It was a really cool shot where Sean Spears is sitting there, and then most of the lights are off, and the lights are on in the tunnels, and it looked great, but it was super unnecessary. Really, yeah. really And it was weird going from one to the other. I think they're overdoing the turn the lights out thing. Uh, they did it twice on this show. Uh, neither of which were like, they weren't really necessary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the Sean Spears one was a little, um, we'll talk about the other one later on, but the Sean Spears one, it was just kind of awkward because you traditionally in wrestling, when the lights go out, it means like somebody's going to appear that like, is either debuting or it's like the undertaker or something like right. No, yeah. Normally the lights going out means somebody's like debuting and like making a run in or something. Uh, if it's not that it's usually like the undertaker or something where somebody gets jumped or something, but they, they use it a couple times in the show and neither, which I thought were very, very necessary, but right. It was fine. I did like Sean Spears entrance after that, where he like slammed the chair and uh, his music cut on. They, you know, was, quick to point out that he gave his nickname himself the nickname the chairman yep so um yeah i thought his interest was really cool yeah the interest was really cool and the match was good too so and moxley came out john moxley and the crowd went bananas huge. for this man absolutely oh, yeah. huge absolutely huge um Pac is out there on commentary and i think i said it was it was in the match earlier i made a mistake he did talk about that match but he he actually was out uh, he was out and during this match on commentary. It was a li- little weird because they showed him on camera a couple times and he's just like staring off into space. Other than ranting a little bit, he didn't actually, you know, provide commentary. But honestly, I prefer it because most wrestlers, when they're on commentary, they just can't do it right. They can't do it justice. So they talk too much and they get annoying and it's kind of, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, and, and as an example, like n- nothing against her, I love her. But last week when Britt Baker was on commentary, it was just it just sounded awkward. And it's not just her; almost everyone is that way. You have your rare exception in like a Daniel Bryan or a CM Punk, but most of the time it doesn't come off well. Even though he didn't talk a lot, and honestly, I forgot he was on commentary, it came off really well. It really did. Yeah, uh, and it, also. To defend him a little bit, you said he was like kind of staring off to space. He was really just staring angrily yes. at the ring. So yeah. uh, <laughs> at least, at least his uh, he his uh, silence was uh, you know he was using it in another way by staring with anger at the ring. Yeah, and so this match was really really cool. Uh, Sean Spears got a lot of offense in, which was really surprising to be completely honest. But the the match was great. Tully Blanchard interfered a couple times. Well, that's how that's how he was able to get the offense because uh, Moxley kind of had um, Spears lay outside and it was like kind of you know doing damage to him and Tully intervened and was able to you know attack Moxley behind the rest back and uh, that's that's how um, he was able to, uh, Spears was able to gain control yeah and uh, that's where he you know controlled most of the match yeah and I guess Moxley's calling his new DDT the lifting DDT. He's calling it the paradigm shift in AEW. I think it has a different name in, in New Japan. But he's calling it the paradigm shift here, which is cool. I like that. Yeah. After it was yeah. over, Kenny Omega comes out, and he's holding uh, a broom because he's the cleaner with barbed wire all around it, and then a baseball bat with barbed wire. 
And then he's walking down the ramp very slowly. John Moxley walks up very slowly, not intimidated because he is insane. And Kenny Omega throws the bat at Moxley, but not like, you know, throwing it at his face. He throws it at his feet. And Moxley picks it up, and they're about to go at it. But then you see Pac hit Kenny Omega in the back of the head with a chair. And Kenny Omega's down. And Moxley, instead of attacking Kenny Omega, because he's still technically a face, he comes up to Pac, and Pac like motions down like it's, you know, he's given him a gift and turns around and, you know, Moxley's still like staring off at Pac. And then he turns around and he stares down at Kenny Omega, who, you know, is just writhing in pain on the ramp. And Moxley drops the bat and turns around and walks away because Moxley wants to do, do the damage himself. He's not a crappy, cheap heel like every other friggin' heel in the WWE, like every friggin' heel in the WWE. And I absolutely just, I, I just, I thought it was so cool. It showed character for all three of these guys. And I absolutely love this segment. Yeah, I did too. Like I was sitting there. So like you said, uh, it was perfect for Pac because he's the bastard. So he comes up behind and hits, you know, Kenny Omega just out of anger with the chair, you know, lays him out. And uh, Moxley stood his ground. He had his weapon and basically scared off Pac saying like, you know, you step, take a step towards me and I'm coming after you. Like he stood his ground and Pac, you know, he's facing him face to face. So he's not going to attack him because, you know, he's a slimy heel and he backs away. It just kind of leaves, you know, Omega to, uh, you know, to um, Moxley's mercy and Moxley just stands over him. And I'm just, I'm just saying to myself, if this is WWE. He would just hit him with his bat and yep. hit him with his bat. And it, it would just not make any sense to his character. And I'm just sitting there thinking, oh, I know it's going to happen. But no, it didn't. He just looked down at him, threw down the bat, and he was like, "You know, I'm not. I'm not attacking you when you're down. I'm gonna attack you. You know, I'm gonna attack you when you're at your best, and yeah. you know, take you down that way." And he went and walked away. And I was just like, "Thank you for once." Yeah. They let you know they gave this guy, like you said, gave him some character, and showed that he's not just like a slimy heel, or you know, he's he's gonna take on Omega himself. And he's not going to let you know Pac do all the damage. So uh, he he's going to live to fight another day against Omega. Yeah, it w- it was just I just WWE has like forty writers on staff for each show, right? And I just yeah. don't understand how we're given what we're given in the WWE, and then this is just written by basically a couple marks. I mean that's what they are. They're they're obviously wrestlers, but they're also huge wrestling fans. And they go, you know what? This is what we're doing. We enjoy this as wrestling fans, and we think that this is what our fans will enjoy. And, and they talk to the wrestlers. I'm sure they talk to Moxley. And even if they would have said, you know, we want you to hit him with a bat, Moxley has the freedom to say, oh, I don't think I would do that. Yeah. And they and they listen to him. Yeah. Which is what you're supposed to do. <laughs> in a creative collaborative way right. that's not stifling right so yeah it was just it was so good it was my favorite segment and well my favorite segment since chris jericho's promo so i mean i don't know yeah i don't know what to say like they're so good they're building stories with doing basically nothing the whole show is wrestling matches and they're still building stories in these very succinct short segments and I yeah, nobody's nobody's shoving crates on somebody, trying to hit somebody with a car, trying to uh, someone else's you know, scare them and stick their hand down their throat or play with puppets. Even though the fiend is awesome, yeah. But yeah, they're just doing wrestling. Yeah, and it's great. It's so good. I very much enjoy it. Um, then you get to your main event, and it is the Inner Circle, represented by Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. Versus Dustin Rhodes and Adam Page. With uh, Jake Hagar out with uh, Chris Jericho. It's his uh, new Ralphus. Yeah. <laughs> he's a, he's, he is. It, I think what that says is it's like when you're playing like The Sims or something and then you get promoted. And then so the things you can buy are just nicer. So he started out in his early in his career with like this big fat guy. And now he has this giant monster with him. Yes. He's definitely 
<laughs> Jake Hagar is definitely an upgrade from Ralphus. I, I will give you that. <laughs> uh, I also want to say that since it's Eddie Guerrero's birthday today, I'm pretty sure Jake Hagar beat Ralphus in his first UFC or the MMA fight. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, since it's Eddie's birthday today, Chris Jericho did give him a shout out. He said Viva La Raza when he was uh, introducing Santana and Ortiz earlier. And yeah, it's got got an Eddie chant. Yeah, sure did. It was great. That's great. Um, so yeah, this match was also really good. It was just really good. I mean, Adam Page and Sammy Guevara, you would think with these guys that are, you know, basically 50 years old, they would be carrying the match. And don't get me wrong, man, they did. They did a great job carrying their part of the match. But Chris Jericho and Dustin Rhodes, they just look so good. And it just looks so good. This match lasted a dozen or so minutes. I think it's actually a little longer because they got a commercial break in the middle. But right. it was just, ugh, I don't even know what to say. Like, I just loved it so much. And, uh, and the announcer started off the match by saying uh, Dustin Rhodes and Hangman Page together in the ring looked a lot like Dustin Rhodes and um, Barry Windham. Barry Windham. Yeah. And uh, you know what? They, they kind of worked that way in the match. And I got to say, man, Hangman Page and Dustin Rhodes, it's like they're already one of the best tag teams. They're not an official tag team, yeah. but they work so well together as a team. Yeah. Like, I mean, a way better team than Dolph Ziggler and, you know, Bobber Roode. So. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to add about this match? Uh, I mean, Page, you know, Page and Guevara, like you said, did an awesome job. I really like the – and it got a huge pop when um, he got – Guevara threw, uh, or he went for the ropes and Hangman followed him and he came back around and did a spinning disc of clothesline and like destroyed Guevara. He did a backflip. Yeah. The crowd popped so big for it. That was just an awesome spot. Uh, Hangman Page took a lot of the abuse uh, during the match when uh, Jericho and Guevara were getting the heat on him and he was able to make the hot tag to Dustin and Dustin kind of, he didn't really run wild, but he, you know, dominated when he got in the ring. He, he hit Guevara with several moves and then Jericho came in and got hit with an atomic drop. Um, so yeah, they, they, you know, did r- really well together. Then Jesus um, dreams too. Yeah. And so he set him in the court, set him up in the corner for the shattered dreams. And uh, actually at one point, uh hangman uh, was out on the outside and he was kind of dealing with Guevara and Jake Hagar came around the corner and hit him with a big clothesline, laid him out uh, when the ref wasn't paying attention. And, um, that's kind of what took Hangman out of the match. And then uh, Guevara ran into the ring and Dustin got him with a uh, that snap. Um, what What is it? It's like a, What kind of move is it? I'm blanking on the name of it. The same one that Randy Orton does. Oh, the Northern, you're talking about the Northern Lights? No, 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 no. It's the spinning uh, slam. Crap. I'm just blanking on his name. A scoop slam. The same one that Randy Orton does. Yeah. Basically, yeah. And... Uh, so he does the snap version of it, which is just awesome. And uh, Jericho still kind of hung up in the the ropes, and the referee's actually checking on Guevara. And uh, Jake Hagar comes in and uh, hits Dustin and kind of takes him out. And that's when Jericho's able to get off the ropes, waits for him to stand up, hits the Judas effect, and pins Dustin Rhodes for the win. Yeah, it was so cool. It was a really great finish, but it wasn't over. It was actually far from over because they're beating the crap out of hangman page and uh dustin Rhodes, and then jake hagar and hangman page are kind of disappearing because they fight to the back so i think we're going to have that match very soon maybe even next week it was cool though because like uh hagar was fighting with page and threw him to the outside and he went after him and page was just like screw this he just grabbed a chair and threw it in his face <laughs> And uh, then they traded punches and uh, went to the back. Yeah. And so uh, Jericho and Guevara were teaming on Dustin. And this is the second instance of the night where the lights went out. Yes. And you're and I'm thinking, okay, everybody's cheering for Cody at this point. I was actually waiting for his music to hit, yeah. which is kind of the, you know, what WWE would do. And just probably the right they do. It. Yeah, it's probably the right thing to do, yeah. uh, especially if you want to get people to pop for people's music. Um, obviously, it's what they used to do with Austin, the rock all the time. So. I wish they would have done his music here, but instead they cut the lights out and they come back on Cody standing in the ring in his suit 
after the lights did come back on, though, he was awesome. He, you know, was yelling. He took Guevara's head off immediately with the uh, the crossroads, like driven right on his face. He stands up and starts undoing his cufflinks, takes off his tie, and him and Jericho just stare at each other down. But before Cody can go after him, Santana and Ortiz come in the ring. Yep. The rest of the inner circle, and they take out Cody. And uh, they go back to beating up on Dustin. Jericho's choking Cody with his tie. And who should come out but MJF with a chair? So he slides in the ring, and he's got his chair ready to hit. But Ortiz, Santana, and Jericho all stand in front of Cody. And Jericho holds up Cody. And he's like, come on, hit him, hit him. And MJF thinks about it for a second. But then he takes a chair and drives it into all three of them, saves his friend, and the crowd goes crazy. I do – it is straight – like I've said this before. Uh, I'm glad Cody Rhodes is working as a baby face now. He, he he was doing like some heel moves, you know, even though he was basically a face in his wrestling matches. And obviously MJF is his friend and was aligned with him for a long time. But at the same time, it is strange that he was such a heel last week. He cuts heel promos on everybody. He's he's probably one of the biggest heels other than Jericho. And then he comes out here and gets like this huge pop from the crowd just because he teamed with Cody. Yeah. I mean, obviously he he did attack everybody. He got a huge pop and then posed for the camera, and that's to you know close to his character. And that allowed Jericho to hit the code breaker on him and take him out. But it was still kind of like uh, I mean. I'm not saying I wanted him to turn on Cody because it, it was very predictable and a lot of the fans kind of thought it was going to happen. But at the same time, like you knew he's going to get a baby face reaction from this. And it's just kind of strange for him to be the heel, the super heel, and then kind of do baby face things. Yeah. Um, maybe it's nitpicking a little bit. Cause I mean, obviously even if he is a jerk and Cody's his friend, he would try to help him out. But you know, I don't know. It's still kind of a little strange for me. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. I really get it. And like I, he, the guy that everyone loves to hate. Now they love him. They legitimately love him, but they love to hate on him. He got one of the biggest baby face pops of the night. I mean, absolutely. Everyone loves MJF. And all I could think of at that moment, as he's staring into the camera and the crowd is going wild, I thought, this is our future. This is what we're going to have in a year or two. He's going to become the biggest hill in the company, maybe longer than that. Biggest hill in the company, and something's going to happen, and he's going to get a face turn, and people are going to absolutely love him. Well, was this his face turn? No. I, I, I just can't see him being – and that's kind of what I'm saying. I can't see him being the biggest heel in the company if he's aligning himself with Cody every week and helping him take on the inner circle, you know? Yeah. Like it's, I'm kind of a, at least in my opinion, I'm kind of saying, you know, go one way or the other. I, I kind of feel like he's still kind of going back and forth. And that's kind of the problem I have with Cody. I feel like he's consistently a heel unless he's helping out Cody Rhodes. Yeah. I mean, like I said, he, he did pose after he, you know, won very, you know, brashly and very uh, heelish, like, and, and, you know, ended up costing him. So that was very textbook heel but i don't know for for me it's just kind of strange because i mean he got just a huge reaction but then is he going to come out next week and then call the fans virgins and have them boo him like it's just kind of yeah so i don't know it's just a little strange for me but yeah i understand where you're coming from i just think that cody did mention that his goal was to make it where there were no clear heels or faces and people could give whatever kind of reaction they want so MGF is probably, other than Pac, is maybe probably the closest thing they have to a full blown heel. But you know, in this specific sit, in this very specific situation, he played the face and it worked. And yeah. but it would, could that eventually lead to a situation like? Um, and obviously, this is totally well. It's, I don't know if it's totally different, but could it lead to a situation to where? Oscar and Kyrie saying the Kabuki Warriors, they come out to face the, you know, the baby faces, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross at Hell in the Cell. And they're just heels all of a sudden. And fans don't really know. They don't really want to boo them because they like them so much, but they're supposed to be heels. Well, 
think the difference between that and this is, as we were talking about earlier with Moxley and Pac and Omega, I think MJF has a character, and he wasn't doing anything different than he always does. He's always MJF, and he was still MJF. He was just helping out the person that he claimed to be his best friend. When Sean Spears, who was clearly a heel, broke Cody's head open, MJF, who is clearly a heel, ran out there with Brandy to check on Cody. And he was jawing and yelling at Sean Spears in, in the backstage area on their YouTube channel. Because that's that's who MJF is. So I think it's a very clear situation of, you know, Cody really is kind of goes either way. And right. MJF is, whether it's for his own situation, and, and he's doing it to better himself, because Cody, you know, is an executive vice president, or he really is his best friend, I don't really see this really deviating from who he is. And that's why I didn't have a problem with it. I mean, I, I guess I would be okay for this if they made... I would at least want to see something at least down the road. It doesn't have to be next week or anything, but like I could totally see him pulling a heel move and be like, Hey man, I've saved your butt a bunch of times. You need to give me a match. You know, you need to give me a title match or something like he kind of uses it in his favor. And, you know, obviously, you know, he, him and Cody are friends, but he kind of uses it and says like, you know, starts to use it. Not as just like, I'm, I was just your, you know, I'm just your friend and I'm, I'm doing it just to save you. Like he kind of uses it, you know, to better himself, like saying, like holding it against Cody, um, then that would make more sense and uh, would be truer to his character. But yeah, it's, it's fine. It's, it's just like a little thing. It's a little nitpick. Uh, I wasn't like, you know, ready to turn the show off. Like I was hell in the cell or anything. So (laughs) yeah, it's, it's a small nitpick. Yeah. So to move on the, the, basically everyone came out. So, yeah. uh, so then basically you had I'm trying to make sure I'm remembering everyone. Young Buck, so it, right? MJF got hit with the code breaker, and yeah. then Young Bucks were able to run down. Yeah. So it, it was what Young Bucks didn't MJF come out after the Young Bucks? No, no, he came out before, and he celebrated after getting hit or after clearing the ring, basically. But he allowed Jericho to get up because he was celebrating too much, posing for the camera, yeah. and he got hit with the code breaker, and so Guevara and uh, that's right. Ortiz, Santana, and Jericho were all able to uh, get on to Cody, MJF, and Dustin. And then that's when the, you know, the Young Bucks came out and made the save. Yeah, so Young Bucks are basically attacking Santana and Ortiz. Jericho gets out of the ring, and he's bailing with his title. And then coming down the ramp on a skateboard is Darby Allen. And in all my time of watching wrestling, I don't think I've ever seen this. And it just looked so cool. Like it's on the AEW Twitter handle right now. You can go take a look at it. It was it was just great. And then he attacked Chris Jericho with a skateboard, got in the ring. Chris Jericho and the rest of the inner circle are leaving. And he says, Cody, I'll see you November 9th. Darby Allen, I'll see you next week. And the show ended. And the whole thing was fun. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was a great show. Uh I mean, like I said, they they've already improved on their first, their very first show. Yeah. So I mean, it's yeah, it, it it's it's getting better. So that you know, it was already good to start off with, and it's just getting better. So I you know, tune in everybody because this, especially if you're looking for just a great wrestling show, I mean, this is it. Yeah, it's really really good. So it's so much more enjoyable than raw. Speaking of really, really good. If you were to grade this, give me a grade. I believe last week I gave it like a B plus. Was that correct? Uh, it was something. It was, yeah. I, I believe I gave us if it might've been a little higher, but you know what? This week, like I said, it, it was better. So I, this was an A show to me. Probably an, I'll give it an A minus. I'll give it room for it to improve. It still wasn't perfect. But it was a great show. Uh, the women's match, you know, was fine. And the Darby Allen Havoc match was, I thought was okay. It was a good match. But the other matches were fantastic and really enjoyable. So, yeah, this show gets an A- minus for me. Okay. Yeah, I, I say, like, I'm glad they're highlighting women's wrestling. I think they need to do more of that. Um, and it was announced that next week we're going to have Riho versus Britt Baker for the AEW Women's Championship, which makes sense because Britt Baker only has one loss, and that's when she was tagging with Riho. 
I, I just love this show. I just had so much fun. And if you're talking fun factor, it's an A plus easy. But just to be realistic, and I, I don't want to get caught up in the hype, um, I, I'm going to say A minus as well. I do think that there is a little room for improvement. But honestly, like if it's always an A minus show, I'm never going to complain. It was just so great. It's right. fun. And I think my only, you know, my only big complaint is they have so many other stars that they haven't used. You know, Awesome Kong has not been on Dynamite yet. It's been two weeks. Joey Janela, not on there. And that's okay. Uh, but it's just, it's really great that they have all these other people in their back pocket that hasn't even been on the show yet. Shima, not on the show. So, it, it, I'm not counting AEW Dark, okay? So, I'm just really looking forward to seeing all these guys and, and gals wrestle and just put on a wonderful show. I'm having so much fun, and I I am confident that it will remain fun for years to come. Yeah, I mean, it's you couldn't have had a better start, honestly. Like, it, it's it's been great. You know, they're building stories. The inner Circle's the big bad team that's kind of, you know, causing havoc. You know, something for, you know, um, the baby faces to compete with. I mean, they're not NWO level, and I mean they're not trying to be. Yeah. But it's it's a good heel faction to start, you know, to kind of start with, and it's typical Jericho. So I mean, I, I yeah, I'm enjoying every bit of this. Like I said, they they had some stuff that they could improve on from last week, and they've improved on it so far. I mean, that's all you can ask for. And I just see them. I just can't see this being. <laughs> it would be really hard, especially in this format, each week to be just as unenjoyable as raw is. I mean, raw is so hit and miss because they have a lot of, I mean, it's been more so miss the last couple of years, but it's also hit and miss just because of how the set, the segments are booked. Yeah. But here they just put on matches and they have good talent. So good talent makes good matches almost every time. And so it's just an entertaining show. Yeah. It's good. It's good. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 40 of Russell Life Radio. First of all, I just want to say thank you very much. This is a really big milestone for us. I know we've only been doing it a couple months, but the fact that we got through 40 shows and you guys are listening and enjoying it, we just all want to say thank you so much. If you are really enjoying it, please like, please share, please subscribe, please tell your friends. Uh, we just want to continue to grow this. If you have any recommendations or anything you want to see, we are absolutely open to all that. So just shoot us a message on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, and we'll do our very best to answer. You can find me on Instagram at Twitter at WrestleLifeMatt. Kyle, can where can they find you? On Instagram at Kyle.Polly. You can find my good friend Chris Cumby at WrestleLifeHeel on Twitter. You can follow us all on Twitter at WrestleLifePod and follow us all on Facebook or Instagram at WrestleLifeRadio. Once again, this is Matt, and I am here with Kyle for episode 40 of WrestleLifeRadio. We hope you all have a really good night. Also, make sure you tune in. Uh, Chris, we watched AEW tonight, but Chris is watching NXT for us, so he'll have that review uh tomorrow right yeah i believe it's tomorrow i don't i don't want to make any promises because i'm, I'm about to post this as soon as we very can. soon very yeah. soon if it's not tomorrow it'll absolutely be out by friday because i know he's recording tomorrow so uh i'll do my best to get it up tomorrow evening awesome thanks everybody have a good one